Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Sponsored by Fanball. I'm your host, Todd Burrows. You can find me on Twitter at Todd from PA. That's at Todd with one D from PA. And we are again, as mentioned, sponsored by Fanball. This is my weekly podcast. It's tied to an article. The article this week is on bye weeks based on the NFL schedule being released. And we're going to go through that and a lot of other stuff with my guests. Uh, Broadway G, he is doing his first podcast, which is really kind of shocking to me because he's been one of the more prominent best ball guys. If you really know what you're, if you're really involved in the community, you know how good this guy is. So I'm really excited to have him on. As we all know, MFL 10s are now on Fanball, where more states are able to play. There are more options and more fun. So go to Fanball and join in MFL 10 today. You might see me in the league. I'm up to close to 40, 45, something like that already. So I might break my record last year, um, which is 149. But please welcome Genton Schulteis, also known on Twitter at, at Broadway G underscore FF. Genton is one of the truly top best ball players and was one of the first to really dig deep into data, and we'll go through a lot of his history and his process. And while, again, he isn't one of the more known guys, he should be based on his success. Genton, welcome. Thanks for having me, Todd. Glad to be here. Yep, yep. So it's your first podcast, huh? Yeah, absolutely. That That's kind of crazy to me. I mean... You, you've had a tremendous amount of success. Why don't you take us through a little bit of your history, when you started, and just give us your uh, win rate over the last few years. Well, I started in 2012, which was the first year of MFL 10s, but that was actual real leagues. And for the next two years, I did about 20 or so a year. And in 2015, I got into the data and started to pump up the volume a little bit. And I did 104 and had 164% return on investment. Wait, 164% return on investment? Yeah. So so basically, when I say that you've been one of the more successful best ball players, um, that might be the highest total ever for someone over 100. Is, uh, is that fair to say? Uh, it's it's probably up there. I know it's not the best. Gotcha. And uh, how was 2016 and 17 for you? 
2016, I ramped up to 145 and had a 59% return. And last year, I went up to uh, uh, 256. Nice even binary number for 92%. That's uh, that, that's damn impressive. I mean, it's consistent <laughs> with uh, with also some nice spikes in there. So. Um, what what is it that appeals to you so much about best ball? Is it that you're you know you're really good at diving into the numbers? Uh, you know, I mean, they're just so much fun to do. How much of it is addiction, and how much of it is just <laughs> a, a pure uh, calculation of well, I'm this successful, I better play more. Well, I ran into well, I got into it originally because. The draft is usually my best portion of a fantasy league. I'm not the greatest trader, and I don't have time to do the waiver wire like I should. So this really fit into my wheelhouse. I got you. And what were some of the big advantages that you had in the beginning uh, because you were able to get the data and really parse it, and how has that changed over time? I think the biggest advantage was being able to upload an actual ADP list. Because as you know, and back on my, my fantasy league, the rookies would always be inflated from all the dynasty drafts. So that default list was really not very well prepared. And that's something that you could really take advantage of because when someone times out, they're going to get someone that's not not ideal correct correct yeah not ideal placement so how big of a uh a disadvantage is it that fanball is really on top of things and is posting a pretty good adp that's one of the things that is going to be very interesting to monitor um you'll still be able to adapt to the shifts in in adp perhaps better than the average person. I, I'm very interested to see if the tighter window appears because you don't have that that bad listing. Right, yeah. Yeah, because if you, you know, if a few guys time out every draft, that's eliminating two or three teams. That's going to pump up your percentages uh, pretty significantly, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, Maybe one or two percent. Right, and that, you know, that's something that I've been tweeting a lot about lately. Is how, you know, one thing doesn't help you win leagues, but by doing all these little things, you gain a percent here, you gain a percent there, um, oh, and then it, you know, and all of a sudden, it, it really can make a difference. And you and I were talking today. Why don't you share with people? How many, le- you know, what percentage of leagues were decided by 10, 15, and 20-point uh, differences last year? Oh, well, 10 points was 8.5%, 15 was almost 13%, and 20 points got up to almost 16.5% of entire leagues. Yep, and that, and, and that gets into our subject of the week, which is bye weeks and how important they are. 
with with 16% of weeks being deci- uh, of leagues being decided by 20 points or less how important are bye weeks and can you explain to people why well bye weeks are really important because that's once the schedule comes out that's one thing that you can control because you, zero taking a zero on a week is not a good thing in best ball well it won't kill you that's one of the things that uh it's most easy to take out of the equation. Right. So basically if you got, you know, if let's say me and you were in a a close league and we both picked really good players and we had really good roster construction and, you know, I take, you know, two or three zeros on the week because I had, you know, both my quarterbacks uh, on by the same week and you didn't, I mean, you, you could see how one week of, of difference just at one position could could mean the difference between winning and coming in second in a league. Yeah, it, it is very amazing how close all of these leagues are Yep. when you look at first I, I, and I, second place. Now, how many, um, you know, are you, with quarterbacks, are you typically a two-quarterback or a three-quarterback guy? I'm a two-quarterback guy. Those, that and, position is one that's the most easy to predict, and one of the when it compares to running backs or wide receivers, they don't get injured as much. And and their and their scoring line is flatter, correct? <laughs> I would imagine so. I, I haven't really looked at that too much, but yeah, you can pretty much bank on one or two touchdowns and 250 yards from a lot of guys. Right. So, uh, yeah, that that's a that's a, and you know, running backs. You tend to be a five running back guy, six running back guy, um, or d- does it really depend on what your team looks like? That's dependent on how things go. Ideally, I'll, I'll get five that I really feel good about, and pick and choose wide receivers at the tail end of the draft. But it's always and good how to about, go ahead, I'm sorry. Have something in your back pocket if you need that sixth. Yeah, that's it. my my number one win percentage last year was two six seven three two. And my second highest win rate was two five seven three three. And it, what it really came down to is if I could find a, a running back I really liked late, um, I would I'd for, forego that third defense, and it, it worked out really good. Those were the, you know those were my two highest percentages. What, what is your absolute favorite roster construction, and how religious are you about it? Uh, there's two. I do two five eight three two or two six seven three two. And really outside. So you're a, you're a, you're a two defense guy almost exclusively. Yeah. And and why you know I know there's not a huge difference. You crunch the numbers. There's not a huge difference between two and three defenses. Why do you, why is that? Uh, you know why do you, why are you mostly a two defense guy? Well, you get you're, you're really limiting your upside with the third defense. At the 
you get the benefit of some consistent point scoring, but you're not going to have a someone like uh, Paul Richardson last year who would consistently go in the 20th round. Robbie Anderson was another one. Yeah. You, yeah. You have those, I, 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 somebody's going to be taking those guys, and you just have to hope that it's not the guy that's going to be chasing you in second place. <laughs> what, uh, what, you know, you're a two-defense guy, but when do you tend to take them? Um, I, I usually have a, a cutoff point at the position players where once those guys go, everybody else is about the same. So I'll, I'll take a look in the 16th and 17th round if, it, if those guys are gone. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of the same way. And it's funny, you're, you're a little more numbers-based and I'm a little more, you know, feelings-based, but and I, I hate to use that term because I don't want, I never want to run against the numbers, uh, but I, it, it works out that way. And I'm like, I don't want to take a defense early, but at the same time, if I'm just choosing between a bunch of guys who are about the same and I'm going to be able to get them the next round or the round after someone right around that range, why not take a better defense in the 16th round? Yeah, and that, and that's good to have. You never know what defense is going to score the best. So I'll, I'll take a few shots at those early guys, but I'm not going to overdo it. You know, one thing we don't talk much about is draft position. It's the one thing that we can't control. How much is, you know, how much are you handicapped or helped just by your draft position um, some years? Well, we just saw that it can be a, a major advantage this past year with the second and third pick where you're getting Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown and then coming back and get Gurley. Yeah, but besides that, that, that yeah. Or, or Hopkins. Yeah, exactly, or even all three, and then you're really on fire. Gotcha. But do you, when you but see, like, you've got the the 12th pick, do you say – I mean, historically, over the have you studied over the last three or four years? Is you know certain spots better than others? Um, you know, if you get like the eleventh or twelfth pick, are you just like, oh, this is a wasted one? I've I've looked at it. It's it's pretty flat for so really two years. So really, even though there's some advantage sometimes. Um, we don't know where the ultimately where that that twenty five percent guy is going to be. We do know he's probably going to be in the first to you know late first to mid third round. That that does seem to be where we find most of these guys who uh, who get supercharged because you match them with you know like you said the girly um, you know and Hopkins matched with Brown and Bell the year before David Johnson and. Uh, Lev Bell and Zeke Elliott were a good match later in drafts. Uh, we don't know where it is, so draft position doesn't bum you out when you get like the ninth or twelfth position. No, not particularly. You, you're going to need to have some of every every draft position to get a good amount of each of those players in the first few rounds. 
So I know you know you've mentioned ADP, and you know I mentioned how I did an article last year on you know the four ways I'm going to supercharge my teams. One of them was using an ADP tool for every pick. Um, why don't you give us a couple of the? I know you're big on ADP. Why don't you give us a couple of your tricks or things that you look for uh, when using an ADP tool? Well. Because I have a relatively high amount of drafts, I know that I can concentrate on the tail end of the ADP curve. And just based on volume, I'll be able to get a reasonable ownership percentage of these guys at a cheaper price than their ADP, which I think really helps in the long run. So basically, if someone falls around, you're going to take them unless, you know, there's someone screaming value on your board. And and I'm the same way. If, you know, like I've been taking, we were talking about it a little bit pre-show. I see, you know, I might not want a quarterback in the seventh round, but when I see Tom Brady in the seventh round, it's really hard to pass on a guy like that. Yeah, especially if his ADP is higher than that. Yep, yep, and, and it is, it is. Um, any other tricks, So, uh, any other ways that you can play the draft board? Uh, boy, <laughs> what's what's nice is to be able to um, adjust to uh, shifting news to um, – be ahead of the ADP shift, either what positive do you mean or by negative. That? Well, if, you, if some of the big names tweet out a player, you know that the ADP is going to rise. You can kind of get a feel if that's warranted or not, and it'll take a, that'll take an effect just within a few days. So basically, you play on people being over enthusiastic. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that that's something that I do. Give us a, a couple names of guys that you think people are too uh, enthusiastic on right now. Oh my goodness, I don't even have a, a list. No, handy. Let me uh, let me take a look here. All right, take a look. While you do that, I'm going to. Or the opposite. Who, who's someone that you think you know you've been scooping a lot of because you, you you think people are down on them too much? I've, I've been getting a lot of Ben Roethlisberger in the tenth round. He's a guy that doesn't give you any much rushing yards, but he's a good bet for three hundred points. I like getting that in the tenth round. Yeah, he he's he's. I'd have even more Ben if I wasn't grabbing so much Cam Newton in the eighth. Yeah, Cam's another one that I like. Drafting a quarterback early lets you get into. Um, you can dive into those players in the tenth through twelfth round where other people are getting quarterbacks. Gotcha. 
How big a deal is, um, you know, one thing I've personally been very focused on is adapting my mind to deal with player news, and, and you've talked about that a little bit. Um, what what do you think the, the crowd generally tends to do and the biggest mistake that they make on news? I, I feel like a lot of times got your beat writers and you're trying to put out anything that they can especially in these slow news times to just get some clicks and I try to keep an open mind about that and really try to parse that into whether you should take uh, that into account or not Yep. So you had a website last year where, you know, that was really helpful to me. And one of the things that you track is winning percentage of players. And how much do you study that as the season goes on and, and, and look at, you know, what types of performance really drives those big winning weeks? Um, one of the things that you have to be careful about with the winning percentage on players is that it's a, it's a team statistic, really. So you have to take and it can give you a good lead as to what's going on, but sometimes it throws a wrench into things. I can give you an example. If you look at JHIE last year compared to David Johnson, David Johnson had about the worst best ball season you could possibly have at the near universal 1-1 pick and only gives you one week of 13 points and yet somehow Ajayi came up with a lesser win rate than David Johnson do you think that might have to do with the fact that you could get Gurley and Hopkins uh, a lot of times coming back that is exactly the case Ah, so so that that is kind of the reason that you think that uh, that this happened. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a good indicator as to how the, the player performed, but you you have to be wary of some of the tricks that the numbers can play on you. What do you mean by that? Well, just that it might be misleading because they may, like we said, they may have a higher. Uh, teammate percentage with the, the guy that scored 380 points. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about your data. What kind of data do you collect? I collect the player scores, uh, the draft picks, uh, the league standings. I, I get as much as I can that I think will find useful. Yep, that comes with all the draft picks. Once it's done, you can you can sum those up and get, in, get some ownership uh, rates for all the owners in the, in the MFL 10s. Gotcha. And do you look at anything to do with, let's say, um, the win, you know, like the types of performance that you look for in players, you know, uh, like my my whole thing why I, I like Ben is that because Ben puts up 
uh, you know, over the last three years, every year he's had three or four 30-point weeks. And I think, you know, especially at quarterback, uh, getting those big weeks is really important. Um, I'm always looking, you know, to try and unlock the the big weeks. Have you done anything with the data as it relates to that? Not particularly, but you can see with uh, if you even later, uh, if you look at Chris Thompson and and oh man, New England running back is escaping my mind at the moment. Burkhead. No, Deion Lewis. They had almost oh, identical identical total scores because and and ADP, but because Thompson had those monster weeks the first time, he had a much his he performed a lot better. Have you ever thought about how a lot of the do you play much daily fantasy? I I tinker around. I've never been very good with that. That's funny. So, uh, you know, uh, it seems like best ball and DFS are like two different skills because I haven't been that good at DFS. And, you know, I've been pretty good at best ball, and now you're telling me the same thing. Um, I think that uh, I think that it's a completely different skill set to be able to guess who's going to do well over a season versus a week. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it it absolutely does. It's kind of like a right like a right brain left brain thing. Uh, and <laughs> and and I don't notice, you know, like I think I think Al Zeidenfeld is good at best ball and he's, you know, he's you know, he's just a savant in general and he's good obviously at DFS. But I I you know, you don't see too many of the big DFS guys do, you know, crushing best ball seems like a completely different group of guys, right? Yeah, it is. I, th- I think a lot of people in season long, I, I don't know. I know that I'm not very good at it. I, w- I wish yeah, I was. But, it, it would pay a lot better than, than MFL 10s, that's for sure. I think one of the things that uh, that is similar is the fact that um, – one of the things I think that is similar is, again, that best ball in, in its purest form is kind of like 16 weeks of DFS, where, you know, we've been talking about these big scores mattering. And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, you can profile these players, and that's something that I've been really focused on this year is, the you know not just the total points like you mentioned with Chris Thompson and Deion Lewis, but you know looking for guys who profile to be big scorers. Does that make sense? I, I think that's kind of hard to profile because that's really getting into your touchdowns, which is extremely difficult to predict. But there are, there are some guys who who will do that. Well, the, you can like, always default I, to the old Deshaun Jackson. Exactly, the wide receivers who, you know, you know, one week they'll get three for thirty-four, and the next week they'll get three for a hundred and thirty-four. Um, and I, I, I do think that at quarterback you can look for that a little bit, and defense you can look for that a little bit. But let's go back to your website. Um, 
you know, I'm looking at it, and, you know, for those who want to check out uh, Broadway G's website, it's ffpages.com slash MFL10. And you can get a summary of all, the, of all your leagues if you sign in. Uh, you can get a draft analyzer, a draft uh, list, and there's also a uh, win percentage. But you, can, you, you actually have links to every MFL 10 league from last year, correct? Yes, that's in the, uh, in the summary. For all the leagues, that's uh, FF pages slash MFL 10 slash public. You can get the players, leagues, and constructions. So you could check the winning percentage for all different roster constructions, correct? Correct. And are you able to download that information? Yep, you can copy it to the clipboard or download a CSV file. And can you break it out by month? I haven't done that. You can break that out by month if you if you were signed in and want your 2017 data. Gotcha, gotcha. And what kind of uh, so you know what's interest? What I find is interesting is you have the league number, you have a link to the league, you have the draft slot, uh, the date. I guess that's the date that it started or finished. Probably started. And then, you know, whether it's a 10, a 25, a, a, a 100, a 50, and then it, it shows your construction, right? Mm-hmm. And where you finished or where you are. So the, uh, every week, while M, before MF, you know, once MFL uploaded your site, I was going to, and then it has your score. Um, am, am I correct that you had the highest score two years in a row? That is correct. That's insane. I mean, what's the chance of one person having not the highest score two years in a row? It's probably pretty slim. And and it's interesting that even the previous two years, I was top 20 and top 30 for my highest score. So I've been, I've been at the top quite a bit. And this year, Fanball has um, the $10,000 prize for the top score and you get up to 150 leagues, and you can choose your leagues, which, uh, you know, if you do 175 leagues, you can pick which 150 are going to go into this contest. How bummed are you going to be after winning it two <laughs> years in a row if you come in, like, you know, 20th place and not first? Uh, I, I don't think I'll be too bummed. I, I did well, well enough these past few years. What was your high score last year? What 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 was the highest score the last two years? Let's see here. Last year was two thousand eight hundred twenty-eight, and in two thousand sixteen, it was a little bit higher, I believe. So that two thousand, that you know, just to show everyone how crazy twenty eight hundred points is, I had a, I had a basically a twenty percent win rate in MFL tens, and my highest score was twenty five sixty one. So Broadway beat me by, you know, almost three hundred points. 
Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty how amazing. Much, once how how much it. did you win that league by? 285 points. That's weird. Actually not, I, yeah. I had a, a guy much. right on me the whole year. That's crazy. Yeah, because I won... My I, I won one league, but even you know at twenty five thirty four I won a league by three twenty eight. Um, any other tips? Um, oh, one of the things that I love when you go to Broadway's uh, website, it has all your uh, positions. Like so, like I'm looking at mine right now, and it, I had nineteen point five percent first place, fourteen point eight second place, all the way back to you know 5.4% of my teams came in 11th place and 4% of my teams came in 12th place it gives you the, your ROI it gives you uh your entry dollars and your winning so there's a, a tremendous amount of stuff on on his website uh let let's finish up by talking about some of your you know I was looking at your ownership percentages and mine we agree on a lot of players um you, you you seem to be on Jordan Matthews. Do you mind me mentioning that? Oh, nope, not at all. He was one uh, of the guys so, that I uh, I just assumed. I drafted most of those before he signed with New England. So I, I just assumed that his knee was going to be a little bit better and he would sign somewhere. Yeah, that was smart. And and a guy that uh, that we're both on is Mike Wallace. I I've just been scooping him left and right since he signed in Philly. How good of a deal do you think he is in the fifteenth round? Oh, I, I don't think you can get much better than that in the fifteenth round. Yeah, um, a guy that you're not on that I am is John Brown. Uh, am I crazy on John Brown? Uh, I'm not off of him. I, I just. Haven't panned out that I that he's up on the list, and you never know with the Ravens how much is going to go on from now until the start of the season. Right, that is that is a fear. But to me, as a seventh wide receiver in the 18th round, that's that's been hard for me to turn down. Um, you 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 uh, you're on Austin Eckler as a late running back. Um, <laughs> What, uh, what 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 are your thoughts there? I feel like he's shown enough with his opportunity that they should uh, avoid the position in the draft and he'll have a solid part-time role, maybe six to eight touches a game, which is one nice guy, for a one guy, late round guy. One guy. One guy you're on that I'm not at all, even though I always liked him a bit, was is Javorius Allen. Uh, what, what, why Javorius Allen? Just another one of those. Think he's going to get a handful of touches every game, and at the running back position, you never know when that's going to come in handy. I got you. All right, I think that covers it. Uh, anything else uh, you want to cover before we uh, close this out? I think we hit a lot of a lot of stuff here. Yep, a lot of the key points. You can find Broadway G underscore FF on Twitter at uh, that handle. You can find his website at ffpages.com. I uh, I I strongly suggest you check it out. And uh, are you going to be updating it for this year when Fanball uh, gives out the information? 
I hope so. I don't have a time frame on it, but I will. I'll make my best attempt. I hope you do because it's uh, it's it's it turned into a bit of a bible for me. Uh, I'm Todd from PA. Uh, you can see my article uh, tomorrow on on uh, bye weeks and the importance of bye weeks. I want to thank my guest Broadway G for uh, joining us. Uh, those win rates G were uh, just insane. So you definitely want to follow him on Twitter. And um, if you do me the favor of going to iTunes and Stitcher, rating the podcast, and definitely play some MFL 10s on Fanball. Uh, A lot of the states that weren't allowed to play in the past are back, and you got more options with four hours and eight hours. What what are you playing uh, uh, more of, G? Uh, The four-hour, the eight-hour, the top three winning, or the classic? I've been on the top three at four hours just for the overnight clock stoppage. Kind of like to get my rest. Yep, yep. I uh, That's exactly what I've been doing, too, except I've been splitting up the uh, the four hour, uh, the the uh, top three with the uh, with the um, the classic because you know, with second place uh, slightly different this year, I, I just thought I'd mix it up. But uh, that's going to do it for our show. And uh, next week uh, is the, the NFL drafts uh, coming up in five or six days. So that should be exciting. That'll toss uh, pretty much all our work up into the air, right, Broadway? Yes. We're going to have a complete rewrite. All right, that's going to do it, folks. I thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next week.